0: The most important thing you could share with me today is your perspective.
1: Because the freedom of perspective fuels the logic we use to defend truth. We never stop fighting for freedom and truth, and that is what makes us Americans. Welcome to Critical Thought with Noah Chalaya.
2: and KNOX 1079, 1033 FM. Good morning. It is 100770 out. Our daytime high today, 89. The July 14th shooting in Fargo, which killed one officer and wounded two others and a civilian, has put a spotlight on a device known as a binary trigger. The man who fired on police officers in Fargo, on, on Fargo earlier this month chose to use a gun that was modified with a binary trigger the device allowed the gun to fire so rapidly that it sounded like automatic an automatic weapon some states ban the purchase of binary triggers specifically or modifications like binary triggers the manufacturer's website note that they can't sell them in 12 states so North Dakota At- Attorney General Drew Wrigley said he wasn't even aware of the device until this fatal shooting happened on July 14th. So, my question to you at 775 55 59 Do you see a problem with devices like binary triggers? Here's what I would draw your attention to I would draw your attention back to 1986 when the assault weapons or when the, uh, the, the, the NFA Act came into existence. So, we took a group of weapons that we thought were problematic. That didn't ha- that weren't very popular, I guess, from a public perspective. Nobody needs a fully automatic weapon for hunting, so why would we allow somebody to have a fully automatic weapon? And we banned fully automatic weapons. We banned suppressors. We banned short-barreled rifles. We banned sawed-off shot. A lot of these things we banned, all under the guise that we were going to prevent mass shootings, and we were going to prevent mass harm. Did it work? 775-5559. You're on X. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Noah. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great. I'm fired up today.
3: Awesome. Me too. It's a wonderful Monday, so that's great. But the binary triggers thing, I really don't think banning them is going to do anything. You know why? Why's that? Because uh, you have a pair of blue jeans on, I would suppose, right? As do I. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, the little uh, the deal where a guy uh hypothetically takes a thumb puts it around there a certain way and they bump fire it Mm -hmm. or have you ever met people that are so good with their trigger finger that they can just shoot an ar just a rant regular standard uh ar uh and it you you think (laughs) that they have some sort of auto sear in there but no they're just that good at bump firing it
2: yeah and they can dump the mag. yeah 100 percent. i've seen it
3: Yeah, exactly. And uh, also anybody with any numbskull with a 3D printer and knowledge of the right keywords can print out what is called an auto seer. And it is a felony. But do you think someone committing a mass shooting really cares if that's
2: a felony? I don't think so. Okay, so you've hit on three really important things in 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 the in the minute and a half that have had you on the phone. So the first thing is, we'll start here. You're not going to prevent somebody who wants to spit off a lot of rounds from spitting off a lot of rounds. You can do that via 3D printing. You can you, even before 3D printers were a, were a thing, there were ways to modify a gun and ways that you could craft an here to put that in. Or there are places, legitimately places, you can just buy them on the internet and they'll ship them to you. So that's a discussion for a different day. So though, so you're not going to we can't stop anybody from doing it. The next thing is are those devices necessary for dropping 30 rounds almost instant as fast as the gun can spit them out? Again, as you've Quite well articulated. No, bump firing via a belt loop and kind of holding it. The rifle naturally recoils back. So if you put a little bit of forward pressure on the rifle, it's going to constantly be firing. The rifle's going to recoil back, then you're going to pull it forward, then it's going to recoil back, you're going to pull it forward, and thereby you've created an automatic weapon of sorts. But here I think is a sticking point. Is bump firing, do you, so you've obviously done it, do you think it's accurate? Is it an accurate way to shoot people or things?
3: No, I uh, the only time I do it is if I'm, you know, target shooting and then I'm just like, hey, check this out with some buddies. But no, you want to be accurate. You're not going to bump fire.
2: So here's so here's my point. My point is, if we look back to 1986 and look at the NFA Act, we stopped automatic weapons because we thought those were the the, the, the most horrific thing ever. And what's happened is since that time, new technology has continued to come two guns that allow them to shoot more accurately and allow shooters to get more rounds on target quicker and that's the that's the design that's the the goal of any gun manufacturer is to be able to do that so by banning and anybody who shot a fully automatic weapon knows by the fourth round you're shooting essentially straight up into the air because muzzle rise is a thing so there's no way to accurately shoot a fully automatic weapon again by the time you're at round three or four shooting up in the air binary triggers are interesting because they allow you to, you know, you can, you can let off a round. It essentially just lowers the amount of mechanical force that you have to apply to the gun to squeeze rounds out. And that could increase accuracy, I would think.
3: That's quite a possibility. Well, the way I'm familiar with a binary trigger working is you pull the trigger and mm-hmm. then you release the trigger. Right. So for you pull the trigger once, it shoots. Mm-hmm. And then you release the trigger, it shoots again. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be a little bit accurate, but eh, I don't know. I'll just stick with semi-automatic if I'm, you know, shooting at coyotes and whatnot. So.
2: Well said, sir. I
3: appreciate the call. Yeah, we have a good one. You too.
2: 775 59 number to join us. You can call or text that same number. Email us live at radio.com Are you uncomfortable with binary triggers? Is this a line too far? So when they ban bump stocks, came after bump stocks after the Vegas shooting. I and most other gun owners were slamming our heads into the desk, the wall, whatever hard object was near because it felt better than trying to ration, than the mental gymnastics that you'd have to do to try to rationalize this. Literally anybody who set foot on a gun range can tell you that a bump firing stock isn't going to help somebody who wants to cause mass casualty. It's an idiot. It, 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 it does more to... Prevent you from being able to hit your target than it does to prevent you to hit your target. The only thing it's good for is releasing a lot of ammunition quickly. Binary triggers are different because, as the caller correctly pointed out, you pull back on the trigger, you're firing one round. When you release the trigger, you're setting off another round. Now... A lot of shooters that I've shot with don't like binary triggers. And the reason that they don't like binary triggers is because it forces you. So there's no way to stop shooting once you have start. Like if you're letting one round out, you're letting two go. And so there's I, I've I've met a, 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 a lot of shooters that that don't like them. I've also been to shooting competitions where those sorts of things are banned. in uh, In some of the trap shooting competitions I've been at, they won't even let you shoot a a gun even if it's not a binary trigger. In other words, it doesn't fire both when you pull the trigger as well as when you let it go. It only lets around out when you let the trigger go. They won't even let those uh, those compete. But the goal of these devices at its, most, at its most basic, most simplistic form is you're reducing the amount of mechanical force that you have to put on the gun to discharge around. Before we had binary triggers, what we had was triggers that were light. We would continually come up with lighter and lighter triggers. And then manufacturers started to get into trigger resets. So the idea is you'd pull the trigger back, you'd fire around. You'd let go of the trigger ever so slightly until it clicked. And that was the minimum you know, point to where you could pull the trigger back and, and squeeze off another round. And so you would oftentimes have inexperienced shooter that would completely let go of the trigger. The trigger would ride all the way to the, to the to the front. And now you'd have to squeeze and pull up all of that slack before you'd get to the breaking point where you could fire off another round. I realize I'm treading on your attention span, but the reason that I'm pointing this out it's necessary to understand where the evolution of a binary trigger came from. So you had people that were sitting at gun ranges and learning to pull it, pull the a trigger, let off around and then slowly let go until they just until they hit that trigger reset. And in doing so, you can fire off rounds. I would submit to you about equally fast as you could with a binary trigger. You know, you squeeze off around reset, squeeze off around reset, squeeze off around reset, squeeze off around reset. It's it's going to be a constant. It's going to be one round after the other. It's going to sound like automatic gunfire, as the AP points it out. Because apparently, that's the bar. Is if it sounds like automatic gunfire. If I if I listen and I go one round after the other, okay, that's automatic gun. That sounds like gun, automatic gunfire. That's the bar for us now. So, a binary trigger is the next evolution of that. Instead of worrying about trying to get a perfect trigger reset to where you can come back and squeeze off the next round and preserve the most amount of accuracy that that you would want with, with a firearm, binary trigger allows you to let the next round out as you're releasing the trigger. So, you know, it, it, unlike bump stocks and unlike fully automatic weapons, where if you're having an argument of, does this actually do anything, my, again, my very first bar of any sort of legislation Does it accomplish what they say it's going to accomplish? In the cases of bump stocks, in the case of fully automatic weapons, in the cases of short-barreled rifles, you're not stopping anything or anyone. Nobody with reasonable firearm proficiency is grabbing a fully automatic weapon if they're trying to inflict a lot of damage. Heck, the U.S. government doesn't even do that. Military has switched over to three-round bursts. Why? Why? Because it was useless to be firing rounds up into the air and hoping that they fall down uh, on somebody's head. It's just, it's a ridiculous way t- to try to operate a firearm. So they've switched to three burst because it largely wasn't effective. I submit to you, a binary trigger actually improves your ability to put rounds on target quicker. Now, is that a bad thing? 775, I would argue it is not. And here's why. Manufacturers of firearms are, of course, going to continue to invest in innovation in the firearm industry, right? Go to any pistol competition and look at the types of guns that people are shooting at those competitions. Many, if not all of them, have some sort of modification. Brad Schmidt, the very first thing he did to his Walther when he bought it was he put in... A a, a new trigger, smoother trigger, faster trigger, lighter trigger, allows for a quicker trigger reset, all of the things, right? His son, when he bought the same Walther, whatever the the, the model he had, PPS, I think, the same model that he has, he went and bought a trigger upgrade. So where are you going to draw the line? If your argument to me is, well, we can't have binary triggers because it allows people to get off rounds too fast, well, where are you going to draw that line? So we've said that wrist braces are a bit eh because they'll increase accuracy. We've said that bump stocks are eh because they allow us to get rounds out too fast. We've drawn a hard line against automatic weapons. We've drawn a hard line against suppressors, neither of which make particular sense. You have people coming against muzzle brakes which does absolutely nothing for accuracy and all it really does is our flash suppressors, which really just hide the flash of the, uh, you know, that's coming out the the barrel end of, of the firearm. None of these things do anything whatsoever to dissuade a mass shooter. So if, if, and it's, it's, it's frustrating and disappointing to me that you can have a tragedy like this in Fargo and the attorney general comes out and gives what I thought was a really fantastic message and that was to say let's change our attitude towards the the way that we're living life we have a we have the unique right and privilege to live free in the in this country that that many people around the world don't enjoy and that comes at a cost and an officer paid with his life over you know within a week and the answer back you know, first it's anger and then it's hurt. And in his suggestion was to be worthy, to change your attitude. Stop the attitude, you know, the hatred against police officers and the job they do. Be thankful for what they're willing to sacrifice. And the mainstream media looks at all of that and national news headlines, do they pick up on Hey, there's a changing tide. An officer gave his life. Thank God that we have these police officers. No, we immediately pivot to, wow. You know what the problem was? It was the firearms upgrade. That that that's the that's the real story here. Kind of disappointing. We'll pick the conversation up on the other side. This is critical thought. In KNOX. 1310 KNOX 1079, 1033 FM. Welcome back. It is 102572 out. Our daytime high today, 89. We're talking about binary triggers. The device used in the Fargo shooting, killing of a police officer, wounding of many others. In a somewhat disappointing twist. You know, attorney Drew Wrigley. I was so Impressed with the way that he approached the situation and the way that that he, his take on things. You notice he doesn't fall for any of the media. Oh, it was an assault weapon. No, it was a two twenty three long rifle. Was it a deer rifle? Was it a sporting rifle? Was it an AR? Who cares? It was a long rifle that was chambered in two twenty three. Though those are the facts. And if you want to read into the facts, you can read into the facts, but it doesn't, he's not going to demonize one rifle or the other. And I just, all all parts of it I thought were fantastic. And yet again, I wake up on Monday morning and the rest of the the media has blown this binder trigger. That's the problem. 775 You're on KNOX. Good morning. You no,
0: know, my um, point is not to look at, what we can do to restrict guns or, but what can we do to make things more fair for policemen? Oh, sure. You know, they're so outgunned out there and they can't walk around and carry the kind of weapons they need to be on an even plane. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, you send a policeman out there with a pistol and then all of a sudden he's facing somebody with a semi automatic rifle.
2: Oh, 100%.
0: What do you think we can do to, even the
2: playing field a little bit. Yeah, it's a fantastic question, <clears throat> and and that that speaks to real solutions. And the answer there is, I think, so we give them equal or better weaponry. And to be fair, they had they had. You know, they had Air 15 rifles. They're just in their vehicles. They didn't expect to be in a shootout. They expected to go help somebody that that got into. That's what's so tragic about it. They were there for a traffic accident. Nobody thought they were going to be in a shootout. And so they were separated from their vehicles. They didn't have the opportunity. But I'll tell you what. Training. And diligence and and commitment to the task at hand meant that even outgunned um, uh, uh, an an officer with a 17-round magazine and a Glock was still able to put a a, a guy with a a far superior firepower down because he knew he had to. He relied on his training, got back into it, got the rounds where they needed to be.
0: Right. And then we got a, a faction out there that's trying to make it worse on police. You know, we can't ask people for IDs when they're walking down the street. We don't want the government listening in on our conversations. And, you know, we're, we're making it hard to identify people that might be potential problems. And and I just think that, that we need to give law enforcement, um, FBI, we need to give them more power. I don't care if somebody listens in on my conversation to figure out if I'm a terrorist or not. Hmm. I don't care if somebody stops me on the street and asks me for an i d you know and, and and these people that want to restrict a policeman, you think, gosh, are we going to get anybody to be a policeman anymore
2: i hundred percent i appreciate the call I a hundred percent agree with you on you know when we're putting restrictions on police i'm i'm so so on the on the you know a stop and frisk and or uh you know uh, surveillance stuff if you Get a warrant. I mean, if if you think that if you think somebody's up to something, that's fine. Go present your case to a judge. Get them to sign a warrant, and then you can conduct your surveillance operation. But I think police don't uphold the law by breaking it, so I think it's important to respect the law, even when it doesn't seem like it's important to respect the law because we've got nothing to hide. I think the vast majority of kind of walk around that way. Hey, listen, you want to listen in on my conversation while I'm telling my girlfriend we're meeting for dinner or whatever? Knock yourself out. I appreciate the call. 775 59 You're on KNOX. Good morning.
4: Good morning, Noah. Hey. So, uh, in this case, I I think that those, unfortunately, those officers, I mean, they were ambushed, plain Mm -hmm. and simple. The the distance that they were at, you could have had, guy could have had a lever action, he could have had a pistol, he could have had anything. He had them basically dead to rights, unfortunately. Um, You know, it's, that is what it is. The binary trigger matters not in that case. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't understand all the focus on that, and then also, you don't see much in the news headlines about this guy making his own explosives and things to that, you know, right? that, that to me is a little more concerning. Um, I don't know how sophisticated they were. I mean, they filled some propane tanks, I guess. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. still far more concerning, but there again, someone motivated to do really bad things is going to do really bad things. These officers were, I mean, they were on a routine traffic accident. It's probably the last thing they thought is, this is just some parked car with some guy in it. They probably didn't he, even pay it any mind. Exactly, and and unfortunately, he was he was basically. Uh, I mean, he had he had came to do one thing, and that was ambush him. Hundred percent. He probably wouldn't have stopped that. So and, thank and, God for the other officer.
2: Even well, with hindsight being twenty twenty, if we could look back, there's nothing you're going to change about that because you don't want people treating every parked car as a potential mass shooting suspect, and we don't want police exactly. treating they people.
4: Could've, they could have had their AR slung. I mean, you could have had mm-hmm. a lot of different things. I mean, unless you were at the reading, even if they would have been, if they yep. wouldn't have realized with that, it's no different than making entry to a, a building or a house or something. They they didn't know where the threat was coming from. They didn't even know the threat until it was far too late. That's right. So, uh, I just I, I don't know. There's a lot of focus on that that trigger, and I I don't I don't
1: understand it. So, I thanks, pre- Noah.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the call seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if this is even. Uh, possible, but I think it is. Um, You know, I think uh, the military have drones flying overhead all the Mm -hmm. time uh, when they're in a a battle situation. And of course, those are multi-multi-million dollar drones, but could could they create a drone that would be able to uh, assist these police officers? Uh, Anytime there's a traffic stop, they'd be able to uh, have an officer, you know, in-house that would... Be overhead, um, assisting, looking for threats. Maybe have deadly force available mm-hmm. to the drone to assist these officers, and and basically have eyes in the sky. And, and maybe not so much in Fargo, but you know Detroit and some of these other places. I, I think UND would be a, a great place to start developing technology like this to to assist these police officers, these firemen. And maybe they got stuff in the works already,
2: but just a thought. No, it's a great thought. And you're right. They do have the the police department teams up with places like UND to create things like the Raven. So that, that kind of technology absolutely exists, and it's absolutely getting cheaper. And, you know, I don't see a privacy violation when it's, hey, you're on a public street, so we want to have a camera up above so we can keep an eye on what's going around, situational awareness. I'm all for that. Head over to the KNOX Newsroom and get the latest from Doug Barrett. This is Critical Thought on KNOX. 1310 OX 1079, 1033 FM, 1040, 73 out. Our daytime high today, it's 89. We're talking about binary triggers. Fairly unregulated. You can buy them in most states, just 12 states. Have regulations that either ban modifications to the trigger or ban binary triggers by name. My question to you, would banning them solve anything? Does it fix the problem? And I think to a degree... The larger issue at hand, which doesn't have a clear-cut answer, is that firearm technology is outpacing regulation and it makes people that create firearm regulation uncomfortable because we found new technological ways to achieve, in some cases, I would argue, a more efficient means to an end. So the goal was to discharge more rounds accurately. We tried doing that with fully automatic weapons. Frankly, it was an abysmal failure from a technological standpoint. If you take a firearm out and sit at a range and hold down the trigger after the third or fourth round, you're shooting almost straight up into the air because muzzle rise is going to cause that that firearm to rock backwards. And so the idea that you're going to have accurate rounds on target after the third or fourth round is kind of a pipe dream. And so we banned that. And I would argue that did very little. Most gun owners would argue that did very little, if anything, to curb gun violence. Now, with this shooting in Fargo, binary triggers. Apparently, that's the takeaway. Not not, not the fact that an officer gave his life to save people from a, a street fair. That didn't make it to national news. Not the fact that m- many other officers were wounded in the process and that an officer was ultimately able to stop this guy. None of that made it in. Despite them being ambushed, none of that made it in. Where this guy came from and how why it was missed and why we imported violence into the United States, that we're not going to talk about. What we're going to talk about is the specific piece of technology that he attached to one of his firearms. that That's what takes the case. T- takes the cake, so to speak. Excuse me. 775-55-59. Text messenger says, a rubber band from the back of the trigger to the front of the magazine works just as well, if not better, than using a binary trigger for shooting quickly. And so again, again, What you're talking about there is a technological way to achieve the same thing. If you're trying to get multiple rounds off, well, the goal is how can we squeeze the trigger faster? And really, how can you squeeze the trigger as fast as accurately possible? And that's where I think the binary trigger kind of separates itself or your rubber band trick that you're referencing. Those are where some of the thing; those are where some of these technological innovations largely uh, exceed What has been available before another text messenger says it's because we have laymakers and a director of the ATF that have no common knowledge of firearms. So I'd be the first person to stand up for you or with you to say that the ATF routinely oversteps its boundary. However, I would say this, the ATF agents that I've talked to, the ones out of Fargo have more guns than I do and are more passionate about gun rights than most of you are. Uh, I know that sounds hard to believe. I know that seems like it, it, that, that wouldn't be the case, but it, it, at least in this area, that's been my experience. 775-5559. You're on KNOX. Good morning.
5: So, no, i got a question for you. So there, we can go back to the, the AR-15 pistol, uh, the stabilizing brace rule yeah. that was uh, changed by the ATF, right. which is now under several uh, injunctions. Or uh, has been held up uh, in several states by several different gun organizations, but then you have these binary triggers, you have force reset triggers, you know, uh, a number of e- uh, a number of things like this that have been completely legal.
2: What is, if excuse my ATM. ignorance? What is a force reset trigger?
5: A force reset trigger is uh, essentially kind of working on the reto- uh, recoil of the gun it's the the it goes off it's an extremely short reset so essentially uh it, it resets itself so it's I not filing down the steer in a in a gun or anything like that but it it does increase the rate of fire okay so it you know forces the reset your your finger still on a bull 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 kind of that rubber band uh-huh. you know technology or or whatever i mean it's it's higher than that but you know kind of the same thing to yep. get a high rate of fire So it's already been confirmed that the ATF, and they tried to do this with uh, frames and receivers as well, which are also legal to mail out your own frame and receiver Mm -hmm. uh, to do these things on guns. But the ATF has been going, you know, in some places, uh, looking at people who bought these off gun broker, uh, online, things like that. Now, this is completely legal stuff, by the way. Mm -hmm. They, They bought these things online or from a larger company, and so now they say we want... We want access to the people who've gone and bought this stuff. So now they're serving them notice. Hey, you have a force reset trigger, and uh, now we're serving you notice that these aren't legal for you to own anymore. So now, if you're you're caught in possession of this, now it's going to be a felony. So I guess where I'm going with my whole question on this, Noah, Uh is when the ATF or other unelected branches of government, they go in and they say, this is legal, this is legal, this is legal. They set that precedent. Now there's tons of these things out in the population. Then they just, on the whim, say, well, we're going to reclassify this. We're going to, we're going to change this. Now this is illegal. And so now you have a rule that's going against you with the enforcement penalties uh, of the risk of a felony. So now you lose your gun rights. You lose your rights to vote, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have a, we have an overreaching government coming in and saying, we are now changing the game. We're moving the goalposts. And we 're going to hold you criminally liable for for this after we already said this was completely legal. Mm-hmm. this is we're, we're seeing the weaponization of a lot of the three letter agencies within our government. This is, is specifically in regard to the Second Amendment and the way that they're coming after this the largest set of cases of federal entrapment in u s history I've said this before, and i'll say it again because I'm dead right about this, but it's the largest case of federal entrapment in u s history. And so with the idea that now you know, agencies of the government can go door to door and say, are you in possession of a stabilizing brace or are you in possession of a force reset trigger and the media going after these binary triggers, which, by the way, have been completely legal. Franklin Armory and other companies make these things. And, and so now they're going to go after people for owning a completely legal piece of um, merchandise out there. That is the bigger problem, and that's what our government is doing. So, folks, don't get your eye off the ball of saying, well, this guy you know he had a he had a binary trigger in his AR fifteen or whatever that 's not the issue. <laughs> the issue is ultimately what the government wants to do with this, finding different ways to come after private citizens and and This is not in any way justifying or saying that it was okay that somebody went and used something the wrong way but but we all have that possibility within us to use a particular tool at our disposal in the wrong way. The idea is, can the government now go down this road of saying, we're just going to you know, preliminarily say, if you own this, well, now you have intent to use this the wrong way. That's the wrong direction for our country.
2: I appreciate the call.
5: Thanks.
2: 775-55-59, a number to join us. You can call that number, email us live at knoxradio.com. So what I take away from that last interaction is, I looked up Franklin Armory, so they absolutely have drop-in triggers for all sorts of different, drop-in binary triggers for all different sorts of rifles. But if you notice the, the, the technologies that Caller 1111 pointed out, stabilizing brace. Better than fully automatic in, in the way of allowing you to release shots, but still not really doing much and still kind of a head scratcher as to why we would ban that particular thing. Oh, and by the way, there's also the legitimate use of if you're a one handed individual and you can't stabilize the firearm with your other hand or if you're up there in age and you have, you know, weak arm strength, things like stabilizing braces come to your advantage. So, so now we're kind of taking a crack at, at people who are disabled. Or we're banning something that might happen in at the cost of a useful tool for somebody that's disabled. But then you look at, and I hadn't heard of, of the other trick that he referenced, and I had to do some quick research to kind of get myself caught up. But those sorts of technologies do increase the rate of fire. Do uh, increase your ability to get shots on target. The question is, where are you going to draw the line if you don't want those things in existence? Are we just going to say arbitrarily, hey, you know what? Where guns are today, they're deadly enough and so no new technology that can come that can be introduced to help people increase their accuracy, help people increase the rate of fire. None of that can can be allowed. We can't have that because guns are just deadly enough as it is and we don't want to take the risk of giving somebody more of an advantage. I mean you could take that route but but short of doing so if you're if if you're not going to stop there, it becomes a slippery slope. There's computer-controlled guns that will be able to get shots off and put them on target and all the rest of that. Are you going to ban those? Arguably, they're even worse than binary triggers. Nobody's talking about it because nobody's used it in a negligent way yet. This is Critical Thought. KNOX. Radio 1310 KNOX 1079 1033 FM. Welcome back. We're talking about binary triggers and the relationship to the officer killed in Fargo. Does banning a particular. Firearm technology doesn't solve a problem, I don't think it does. I think it honestly just kind of confuses the issue, although I'll give credit where credit's due. At least this time, the thing that they're going after that they want to ban, at least it does the thing that they say it does, and at least banning it would accomplish what they say it would accomplish, insofar as this is a thing that allows people to get more targets on shot, and if we banned it, then people would be less able to get targets on shot until they 3D print and or modify the weapon in a different way or use rubber bands to achieve the same effect. (laughs) Text messages, last week you were calling us racist because we wanted to export Muhammad's. Now you're saying it's okay. So, if that all I should have to do is read that text message and that should exemplify all you need to know. Yes, you're a racist if you want to export, as you say, Muhammad's. There is... (laughs) The idea that people that are named Muhammad are somehow more violent or dangerous or whatever, like, that is the problem. That is the problem that you want to ban Muhammad's. Now, if you come to me and say, well, Noah, I want to not have unvetted Syrian refugees that come here and have homicidal tendencies— That isn't racist. That is, I want that culture and that thing that doesn't fit here in the United States to stay over there where it isn't a problem over here. Does that help explain it a little bit? 775 You're on KNOX. Good morning.
0: Must be me, huh?
2: Hey, welcome in. Hello. Hi, that's you. Am I on or what? You are. We're talking. We're on the air. Hi. right. I can... uh...
0: I tie this in somewhat, I, it sounds like you're a, a gun enthusiast. Yeah. So why, why and it sounds like you'd probably have a problem with taking your weapon to the police department, checking it in, and when you want to go shooting, just stop by and pick it up and go. Why would that be a problem?
2: Uh, I did that actually in college because I wasn't allowed to carry a firearm on campus. That's exactly what I did. I check it into the police department and then when I wanted it, I'd come take it out. The problem. and so that works yeah. fine for going to the range and practicing and all the rest of it. How do I defend myself with it though?
0: Oh, yeah, that would be a problem. That would be a problem.
2: I appreciate the call. But, well, all uh, right. uh, sorry, I'm up against my top of the hour. i, I, I got to run. We'll head to ABC News, get the latest from ABC News, followed by local news headlines. This is Critical Thought. KNOX. 10 KNOX 107.9 103.3 FM. Good morning. It is 907.70. Out our daytime high today, 94. The Federal Reserve today will decide whether to revive an aggressive series of interest rate hikes and may indicate a willingness to soon end its full-throttle inflation fight. So, if you've been following what the Fed has been doing with interest rates, to really understand, you you kind of got to go back all the way to 2008. So, 2008, companies are doing irresponsible things. The banking industry is doing stupid things. And largely, without getting getting lost down the rabbit hole, essentially they're writing mortgages that they know people aren't going to be able to pay back. They're doing that because there are insurance policies that will pay out if the person can't pay the mortgage back, so they don't care. So long story short, it starts to come to a head. We all kind of watched the 2008 meltdown. And the Fed looks over and goes, huh, that won't be good. If the banks call all of these mortgages and all these all this bad debt, it's going to kick people out of their houses. The economy is going to come to a crash. We're going to go into a recession. We've got to do something. So they start this process of purchasing massive amounts of debt. They called it quantitative easing. And the idea is essentially they injected free money into the economy with the idea that this will prevent all of these things from crashing. So you're a bank. And you have, let's say, for the sake of discussion, $100,000. And you've loaned, let's say, $75,000 out and it's in Bad debt, And so you're not going to get paid back. And so you're like, hey, that's it. I'm not loaning any more money. So the Fed buys your seventy five thousand dollars of debt. So now you're back to one hundred. So the Fed was banking on the idea. No pun intended. That these banks and other institutions are going to lend money back out or in the case of retail stores, they're going to hire employees or they're going to hire people or they're going to put jobs back on all the things that we want to see happen inside of a market. But because this is largely a huge experiment that nobody's ever done before, nobody really knows what to expect, companies don't do that. They hang on to the money. And they, they say to themselves, well, that's weird that we did all this bad stuff and the government's just going to come in and put a floor under us. So the only thing to do is go up. That doesn't make sense. Like that, ha- that has to get undone at some point. So we get to the end of quantitative easing one or QE1. And hasn't really moved the needle. A little bit, but not much. So we go into QE2. Well, with QE2, it starts to have an effect. But it doesn't have as big of an effect as the Fed wants. Because what these companies are doing is instead of giving the money or passing the money or the credit lines down to people, they start buying their own stock. Why? Because at the end of the day, they're a company and the only thing they're really responsible to... Is the shareholders. And so if you have 100 stocks for sale and let's say it's worth 50 bucks a share and you buy half of those shares off of the market and own them again, well, now there's only 50 shares left. So what happens to the price of those shares? They go up. So they take the money that was allocated by Congress through the Fed and purchase these stock shares to drive the price of these stocks up. So has a little bit of an effect. They start to see some lending, but largely companies are lining their own pockets. So people, the easiest way to make money is to have money, right? So billionaires and people that have lots of wealth who are heavily invested, their stock prices go into the roof, they're happy, their wealth is effectively almost doubled. Everybody's doing great, but still not really having an effect on the market. So fast forward 10 years later, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. Now they've tried quantitative easing for almost 10 years. And as you might expect, after a certain amount of time, these companies are like, hey, I guess there really is no floor. There's really no way that we can fail. We can only go up. But instead of hiring people and putting more people back to work, what do companies invest in? Automation, <laughs> manufacturing, uh Computers and technology, things that they can use to replace people. So it, in some ways, has kind of the opposite effect. Additionally, a bunch of garbage companies come up out of nowhere. Why? Because money's cheap. You're talking the lowest rate for borrowing money that we've seen since like 2006, 2007. And so people are borrowing, or since 2006, 2007, excuse me. So all of these companies start and, 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 Venture capitalists start giving money to all these people. Anybody that has an idea for any sort of company whatsoever pops up. Also, you have all of these little investment companies that are coming up because normal people are walking around going, gee, I don't really understand the market and economics and all that other stuff, but it sure looks like there's a lot of free money coming out. How do I get a piece of that? Well, you download this little app and and you know slide the little risk adjuster from heavy risk to no risk and let it go. So all of that starts to come onto the market. Well, then COVID hits. And all of a sudden, all of these, we start closing down massive portions of our economy. Well, now you might have all of these little one-off startup things, but they're not really going anywhere because they're not really producing a whole lot. So they die almost overnight. Massive parts of our economy die almost overnight. And what you're left with is A whole bunch of the the existing businesses and some of the, you know, some of the leftover little guys, right? So risky businesses start up and fail. No big deal because money is cheap. But now because of the pandemic, we spend five trillion dollars. $5 $5 trillion. And it turns out you can't inject $5 trillion into a market over the course of the year without causing massive inflation. So what happens? Between December 21 and December 22, inflation goes to 6.5%. 6.5%. To put that into perspective for you, most companies will give you a cost of living increase of like 3%. So you they assume that that's roughly where the, what the cost of living is going to increase per year. But if you had $100 on, in, in 2021, by the time that you got to 2022, you have less purchasing power. And so the Fed looks over and they're like, okay, this is really bad. So for the last 10 years, we've been doing this quantitative easing thing, trying to get more money into the economy to kind of stimulate it and get people buying. Now people are buying too much. They're, they're spending hand over fist and it's, it's causing a massive rise in inflation. Oh, by the way, we injected $5 trillion into the economy. So there's that. So that, that takes us to 2023. So now the Fed has started to look, and you've seen this over the past few months, they've started to look into, well, what do we do about this? And so what they've started to do is they've started to increase uh, it, the interest rate. And essentially what they're doing is slowly turning off the spigot of free money. And as they're doing that, what you're seeing is all of a sudden mortgage prices are going up. Now we're five over over five percent mortgage rate, whereas just a few years ago it was like in the one, two, three percent era. You have money for lending and small business loans and capitalist funds, all of those things have essentially dried up because money has become more expensive. And so what the Fed is wanting to do is they want people to put money into safer places. They want you to put money into bonds and into CDs and into savings accounts and retain money, not spend it. The concern there is if you turn the tap of free money off too fast, you send the country into a depression. Or a recession, and that's that's that that there there's this huge balancing act that's occurring right now. So I've been kind of watching this over the past few months because this whole thing is fascinating to me. Since 2008, this idea of quantitative easing is fascinating to me that the that the, that the, that, the, that the central bank can purchase debt from private industry so that there is no risk to private industry of making these terrible loans. And oh by the way, the entire thing came to light because. We were doing irresponsible things in the first place. And so as we get into, so today I, I'm i going through and I see they're going to raise the interest rate again. And we're going to go up again another quarter percent. Now, what economic what economists are predicting is that this is going to be the last time that they raise the interest rate, in part because inflation has slowed down to 3%. They want to see it at 2%. A text messenger says this at 775-55-59. Uh, text messenger says you can thank Trump for most of that debt. Absolutely. As it relates to the pandemic relief. Yes, he was the one that signed it in. He's the one that signed it into law. And a part of that would be. I would tell you that. The, one of the things that conservatives criticize. Candidates on is. We want to see who is a vote to cut spending because nobody wants to say no to, to their program. And it's why I, I struggle to entertain calls from people that call in. They're like, the, the, the national debt is now this. Yes, it is. What do you want to say no to? Well, the national debt is now this. We spent this much money. Yes, we did. What would you like to spend? Mo- what would you not want to see us spend money on? Because it's coming at some cost to you. So as I woke up this morning and see that they're predicting that this is going to be the last Increase of the the Fed. I'm curious what this is going to mean for markets, because it's the, the Fed has sent a pretty clear message. No more free money. Money is going to become very expensive. And so, as Dave Ramsey would say, when the tide goes out, you find out who's skinny dipping. And that's what we're going to see. <sighs> well. There, I got that off my chest. All right, we'll take uh, we'll take a short break. We'll I, I see the calls, I see the text messages. We'll get to them after the break. This is critical thought. At KNOX. 1079-1033-FM. Welcome back. 923-72. Daytime high today. 84. Text Mister says, Noah, we just started talking about the whole federal money loan stuff. I wish it was on a podcast so you could repeat the conversation you just had. All of this makes sense. It's amazing to hear you say and understand that is such a great explanation. Well, I got good news for you. This show is available via podcast. CriticalThought.show. So I'll make sure to get uh, this segment included in, in this week's release. But yeah, anytime, I try to get anything that has national relevance or if it's something that is of particular importance, local relevance. So, for example, we talked about the shooting down in Fargo. Most of that stuff makes it into the podcast, although I have to do it on my own time, so it uh, doesn't happen every week. But criticalthought.show, you'll be able to download it. Another text messenger says... So text messenger says between 2021 and 2023 many companies have more than doubled in value over the over those years. That's a sign of a healthy growing economy. No, it's not. And I'll explain why in a second. 775-55-59. You're on KNOX. Good morning.
3: Happy wonderful Wednesday. Welcome in, sir. Beautiful morning. Gonna be warm, so keep your hat on and your coat, big coat on.
2: No, I'm just gonna stay inside where there's air conditioning. I just turned the there studio uh, and it's locked, so I can't change it, but it is set to sixty six degrees. So I have a sweatshirt on right now. Oh,
3: suffer, man. Suffer. <laughs> well, okay. Federal reserve. Yes. Almost sounds like it's part of our federal government. It's, it's not.
2: It's not actually. I so so this 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 took me this to I, I, I sat down and I was like, I need to understand how the how the Federal Reserve or how the Fed works, and I it it took me I had I, it took substantial amounts of reading to get my head wrapped around it, but it's actually not run by the federal government.
3: Yeah, and so many people, so many Americans, don't realize that or know it. Not been taught it, mm-hmm. and it's wrong. Well, it's wrong in make- part
2: because here's the problem, right? It's our version of a central bank, so. In every other country, it would be it would be owned by the by the government. In this country, it's not. But you can't really point to. It's also not a private bank because it has influence, and and Congress allocates money to it. So it, it I don't know. It's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird system.
3: It's, it's twisted. Have a great, wonderful day.
2: You too. Thanks for calling seven seven five fifty five fifty nine number to join us. Okay, so this text message that says between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty three are. A lot of these companies have doubled in value and size over the last year. It's a sign of a healthy economy. Here's why that's not accurate. So think about it. In 2021, we have a company that makes widgets. We'll call it Widgets ABCs. And we say the company is worth $10 a share. If one year later, well, you said two years is more than doubled in size. So let's say two years later, it's worth $30 a share. Well, we were really bad at estimating value two years ago because we thought it was worth $10 a share, and now it's worth $30 a share. So anytime you see that, and you don't even have to know, you don't have to understand, you don't have to have a huge economic background for to be able to look at a company and say, okay, if today this company is worth this and tomorrow it's worth that, I guess that means yesterday we were really bad at estimating what it was worth today. So what's happening? Now, if there's an explanation for that, so for example, Apple doubles in value, and you look over and they just released like the newest iPhone and it has a bunch of great features and people have flocked to the stores and it's in every major... Ha- okay, well now we understand why this company has risen in value so much. They've brought something to market and it has become really great. But the the, the, the problem is a lot of these companies that have quote-unquote doubled in size over the past two years... They weren't doing anything different in 2023 than they were doing in 2021. And so if that's the case, then you have to ask yourself, well, why has the value gone up? If they've not done anything different and they're not selling anything, did we just not understand the value of that? Or did something change? Or what's going on there? But it should be your first indicator that eh, something is a little off because that doesn't happen. And we can look at the history of companies and what they do and Largely, we are pretty good at estimating value. Text messenger says at 775-55-59, City of East Grand Forks, good old boys club, internal shuffling. Another text messenger said, The Fed is a post office for money. The Fed is a post office for money. Yeah, I can see that. So what you're saying is it is a not federal agency that kind of tangentially hangs off of the federal government to fulfill some purpose that in other places the government would fill. I can see the comparison. 775, 55, 59. So the Fed is looking to get inflation down below 2%. Right now it's at about 3%. So that's why economics uh, economists are predicting that this is going to be the last time the Fed raises the interest rate. But what I think is super fascinating is when you hit these when you hit this the the higher level of interest rate people who save and have built wealth are rewarded people who are looking to borrow money or start something are are hindered and so it has it it's this double edged sword on one hand if we were a society of people that you know were very frugal and very conservative with our funds and those sorts of things this would be a good thing. The Fed raising interest rates would mean that you could take the money that you have, you could store it somewhere, you wouldn't have to spend it, and it would become worth more money. So, in theory, it would be a good thing. But here's an interesting fact, and this just kind of this kind of spun me out. So, the inflation they want to see at two percent. What? So the rest of the rest of the economy has come down to uh, about three percent. They want to see it drop a little bit more. But get this, they the the oh gosh where is it here we go categories of consumer focused services have not gone down with inflation so what that means is professional services or or things that you things that you buy those things uh, personal care services per- professional services and entertainment things all of those have kind of held steady at 4% so what we take away from that is The things that are absolutely essential, like food and groceries and those sorts of things, have started to come back down. But largely, people are not cutting back on going to movies, on going to nail salons. If you get your meals from DoorDash and you pay $20 to have somebody bring you a $3 McDonald's hamburger, the McDonald's hamburger has come down. You're still paying DoorDash to come bring it to your door. And I think that's an... That's an, that's an interesting position to be in as money is getting more expensive. We're, we're willing to cut some things, not others. We'll head over to the KNOX newsroom. We'll pick it up after the, after the news. This is Critical Thought on KNOX. 107.9 103.3 FM Welcome back It is 940 74 hours Our daytime high Today 94 We're talking about The Fed And their decision To raise the interest rate Another .25% Economists surveyed By Bloomberg this month Expect the Fed To impose This quarter percent Or quarter point Rate increase Today However economists Said they expect This move to be The last To curb Inflation the inflation battle. So for more than a year, the Federal Reserve has aimed to roll back prices by slowing down the economy. They're raising the price of money, making it more expensive, and the idea there is to make, uh, to slow the economy down. 775 you're on KNOX. Good morning. Hello. Good
0: morning. Hey. Hi. What's up? Uh, I was going to report a hole in one.
2: A hole in one. to do that. Uh, I don't. This is the on-air line for KNOX. but uh, so I, I, we, I'll. I mean, I'll happily give you an applause for a hole in one, but uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> they just told me to call in, and, I, and I'm
5: like, okay. And they gave me the number, and <laughs> I'm just working the golf shop. It was a,
0: an older gentleman, Rick Lindback. Okay. Hole nine at Lincoln Golf Course in Grand Forks.
2: Okay, and and what what was uh, you'll have to forgive me because I'm not a golf person. What happens when there someone you. gets a, ho- a hole in one? Do we cheer?
5: I think we cheer. Yeah.
2: Okay, I uh, I, I can do that.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you very
2: much. Yeah, you bet. Alright. Goodbye. Okay. Take care. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. Number to join us. You can call or text that same number. Email us live at knoxradio.com. So, the Fed man. This is calls we get sometimes. Uh, so the Fed decides that they're going to r- raise the rate again. And what there? There's a couple things that here we go. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning.
6: Morning Noah. How are you? I'm doing great.
2: How are you doing? Indifferent.
6: So as the Fed is raising the interest rates just go back into the 70s and look at the same thing Mm -hmm. when they interest uh, when they raise the interest rates they in a sense revalue the dollar and devalue gold right um there's there's some there's some synergies that are taking place with regards to that um but my two biggest concerns for the fed are how does the fed have the authority to create a FedNow account for every citizen in the United States and basically do away with the contractual agreement that you and I and everyone else has entered
2: into with our banks. So FedNow is not like, there isn't necessarily an account created. You don't have to use it, right? And really FedNow works directly with your bank. So, the bank According says,
6: to Lynette Jong,
1: mm-hmm.
6: a, a, an international economist and financier, she is saying that an account has been created for each and every one of us. Hmm. Now, I trust her. As I've been listening to her, Jim Rickards, Andy Sheckman, uh Gerald Salente, and Robert Kiyosaki, and they're all telling me that on the 22nd of August, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, the BRICS nations are having a meeting. Mm-hmm. And some of the smaller groups like the Asian Summit or East Asian Summit and uh, European Summit, they're all going to get together and they're all going to stand up a new bank that their currency is backed by gold. Now the Fed is going to be puckered up with that because if they were to go into a poker game with all of those other countries, Uh they would get laughed out because their currency is backed by nothing. Okay. All of the other, all of the other countries have fiat currency as well. But what they're finding, what I'm getting at, Noah, is these economists are talking about going back to a precious metal backed currency. Okay. So the Fed is standing standing up this fed now account but they're also pushing a cbdc or yes, a central yes. bank digital currency
2: yes 100% and actually hold on let's i wonder how fast i can get to this so if 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 this kind of stuff fascinates you you check out cbdctracker.org and it is it's a handy site for keeping track of the progress of of cbdcs around the world um yep so yeah, if you're, I mean, yeah, fascinating stuff. So I want to go back to the Fed now thing for just a second. So. The FedNow is only – only 35 banks have adopted FedNow. So I am I question the idea that there's an account created for every person because not every person has an account at one of the 35 banks that have partnered with, with FedNow to incorporate it. And I'm not saying we won't eventually get there. I'm not saying that it doesn't ultimately lead to the federal government having control over your transactions and money and monetary. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying today I'm not buying that everybody has a FedNow account because only 35 banks are participating in the program.
6: Well, those 35 banks may be those 35 banks that are too big to fail that have already been identified. Remember what Janet Yellen said about, uh, the Silicon Valley bank, when she was asked about, are all the banks going to be covered under this? She said, no, right. only certain banks are going to be covered. So you say 35. I submit that those are the ones that are going to be those are the ones that are going to be allowed to play within the Federal Reserve Fed now and everyone else. That's right. Sorry, see ya. Oh, I, I now, think they could choose to, to go. The point but... is this: it's counterparty risk, whether it's the bank or it's the Federal Reserve. If I have a dollar that used to be worth a dollar, but according to Lynette Jong, now is worth somewhere's between three cents and thirty-five cents. Lincoln didn't free the slaves. Everyone's working for three to 33 cents to a dollar. And, and that in itself kind of makes me feel even more that I'm being taken advantage of because I had a $20 bill in my hand and then Department of Treasury and the Federal Reserve printed more of those. So didn't that, didn't those more? just devalue what i had in my hand yes when we when getting put getting ready on. to repeat thing itself
2: when we put 5 trillion dollars into the economy you're absolutely right your purchasing power of the 20 dollars you had is now less
6: yes and when it's backed by nothing even more so less <laughs>
2: that that's true that's true there is no intrinsic value in a dollar it's a fairly it's a fairly horrible currency from the standpoint that there's not a lot of space to write on it it's not even really paper it's Partially cloth. So there is not a lot of intrinsic yeah, value. It's only valuable because the government I, says it's valuable.
6: Exactly. I, I submit on the 22nd that um, with this new international gold-backed currency, that's going to put the Fed and Department of Treasury into a position where people are going to start asking more about what their money's backed by. Since we went off the Bretton Woods Act in 71, and now the House of Solid has submitted their application to join the BRICS Nation Bank, that would be kind of a questionable situation for the petrodollar.
2: If everybody else followed this stuff the way that you and I are talking about it, maybe that was the case. But I promise you, the vast majority of Americans, they, if they've even heard of Fed now. It's because it scrolled across something and they went, oh, yeah, some new thing for transferring money. Sweet. I have Zelle. I don't need it. And then kept going. And that's really about as far as they've thought into it. So I, I, I don't know that I believe that people are going to wake up tomorrow and say, yeah, oh, yeah, let's go back. I agree with you. We should go back to tie the currency to, to an actual standard so that you can't have runaway inflation. But nobody cares about that. And largely people could care less how much gold they can buy for their dollar. They don't even look.
6: Well, and that's the thing that's unfortunate, you know, because I, agree. I believe come come the 22nd, you're going to see precious metals. According to Lynette Jong, if you look at uh, 1972 with silver, it went from $2 to $15. That was a 3,500% increase.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, if you do that at a $26 round today, that's a $931 ounce, mm-hmm. where Andy Sheckman, who sells silver... He's saying that silver is going to be the new gold because silver has industrial use, not only in medicine, in your kitchen, in your phone, in solar panels. So there's there is a precious there's going to be a precious metal thing to where what again, deferring to Lynette Jong, she's saying that when they revalue these precious metals and note Norway Central Bank, eight months ago was talking about revaluing their gold holdings What you talked about CBDC tracking Mm -hmm. Nigeria was the first to get it and it's an abortion the -hmm. middle class and all of the businesses are tanking because you can only withdraw $250 in cash every week but if your $1,700 rent is there, how do you pay your bills?
2: That's a great question now I agree, I want to see us go back to precious metals fun little fact for you you can buy five pound copper bullion cubes like like the Fort Knox style things for like 75 bucks. Copper's not a bad way to go either. This is critical thought. Kano X. 107.9, 103.3 FM. Good morning. It is 956.75 out. Daytime high today, 94. We're talking about the Fed. Raising the interest rate one last time and the effects that that will have on our economy. Your thoughts are welcome at 775 5559 Text messenger says this. If you want to invest in copper, I highly suggest the best way is to buy U.S. pennies, especially older pennies, not super old ones, but 50 to 90s pennies the amount of copper in a U.S. penny is worth more than in raw metal than the penny is at face value. So, here, here is my interest in copper. My interest in copper, really... It, it, precious metals, to me, it, it, you know, I look at it the same way I look at guns. I've never lost money on buying guns. I don't really ever sell guns, but never lost money on guns. They're, they're typically worth more money than I pay for them. At the same time, I don't have them as like an investment strategy. I just like having guns The where copper comes in. You can buy like copper bullion so you can buy, you know, like these big copper bricks, almost like Fort Knox has with gold. And it it's like the child in me appeals to having like, oh, look at this. You've I've got, I've got these things. They're going to be worth more money because they're big metal things, you know, and it's. Really, more for amusement than, than an actual investment strategy. Text messenger says this Noah, it's what happened to our gold that was in Fort Knox. So, That's a great question. We left the gold standard. You were given dollars. See, this is what I'm saying. This is why when people call and say, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to happen when this when this thing comes out, people are going to look and say the rest of the world is going to a precious metal standard. So we're going to want to know. No, no, we're not. No, we're not, because half the people aren't even going to be aware of what I'm about to say. When we left the gold standard, it was it used to be. Fort Knox had gold for every dollar that you had in circulation. So if you had a dollar, you could take it ultimately and turn it in and go get gold out of it. When we left the gold standard, we left. And so it was no longer your gold. Now it's Fort Knox's gold and you get a a fiat currency and you'll be happy with it. And so we've, we've left that standard. We're not going back. And I, I suspect that the vast majority of people don't care. And the people that like me that do care, look at it and go, you know what? Cryptocurrency largely fills the gap where, uh, where precious metals left off because with precious metals, we were essentially banking on the fact that there's only so many of them. And so they're going to go up in value with cryptocurrency. We've just mathematically guaranteed. There's only so, so mad of, or so many of them. And so, uh, you know, it it acts as a hedge against inflation. Text messenger says at 775-55-59, I hope it's true about silver. I'm sitting on five 5,000 ounces. Cool. Another text messenger says, so now you're talking about the power of a dollar at the United States and banking and the Fed and the interest rates. What are your thoughts if you're thinking where the other third countries are trying to devalue the U.S. dollar? I think the U.S. dollar is going to remain the predominant currency for a long time, if only because, however unstable it is at times, other countries' currencies are less stable. This is Critical Thought. I'm KNOX. Thanks for listening to Critical Thought. Download the show notes at criticalthought.show. The content from this episode was taken from the live radio show, which airs every weekday from 9 a.m. to noon on News Talk 1310 KNOX, streamed online at knoxradio.com.